Well, I don't feel like I'm a part of the everyday American society, and I don't want to be, let me tell you. Okay? I do my damnedest to tear it down. A governor's task force has determined that punk rockers are society's new subversives and must be treated as such. Taxation is theft. Oh! God damn it, motherfucker! We're talking peace, love, and honor. FBI is feeling the heat. Your own conscience, your own morality, your own decision, your own self. You alone can do it. There is no authority but yourself. The BR Hates Fed Show. Welcome to the Rice Fields, motherfuckers. What's up, lads and ladies? I'm BR and I hate feds, and it is Tuesday the 16th of February, 2021. And today, I wanted to talk about armed protesting, and how the Black Panthers essentially brought it back into popular usage, or more popular usage than it had been in a long time in the late 60s. But before that, uh, why I'm talking about armed protesting, we have the Arizona Second Amendment rally coming up, at the state capitol on Saturday, this Saturday. I uh, I could have put this episode out a little bit sooner, but um, it just snuck up on me. So, February the 20th, 2021, on the Capitol lawn in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, that is 1700 West Washington Street. Uh, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., there will be a armed rally outside of the Capitol uh, in Phoenix. So if you're within driving distance of Phoenix, I highly recommend you come out. It's a it's a chance to stand with a rifle and kit outside of the holiest chamber um, within our proximity. Um, and you know it's it's an interesting time. Um, you mix with people who you might not necessarily agree with. I mean, last time um, we were largely out there. Uh, you know, reignite because of the red flag laws that were being discussed, and then, um, Republican women were asking why we were all masked up, <laughs> why we were hiding our identities, and asking if we were Antifa. Um, they just don't really get how this stuff works. So, um, while we might not necessarily- oh, and those people were carrying, um, thin blue line flags. They don't realize who's going to be enforcing these laws they're protesting. So, um, it's important for, you know, our community to get out there and mix with these people and plant those seeds and be seen as present so gun owners aren't just seen as this monolith of, you know, uh, neoconservatism and uh, MAGA types and just blind republicanism that's, you know, sold away everything, uh, <laughs> everything the revolution was for, essentially. Um... So yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting time. Um, going to be out there with Miss Buckles and Spirit of Resistance, and then a handful of others um, in our community that are local will be coming out. I actually not a handful. I, quite a few of you have told me you're coming, so it should be a pretty decent group. Um, I'm. You guys have seen my kit, and I'll post it again on the day so you guys can recognize me. I'm going to be masked up, of course, because we're not trying to get doxxed. Um, and then I'll, I might be rocking my peace, autonomy, liberty flag. I'm, 
I'm deciding if I want to have a fucking flag to, to hold on to all day or not. Um, I don't know, we'll see. Um, but anyway, yeah, show up. Um, it's good to network, it's good to, you know, talk to people who aren't necessarily in our circles or who would even come across us, just people. Like, we, me and uh, Jared from formerly Buying the Bullet, uh, we spoke to, like, a Romanian guy who, who moved to Arizona last time we were there. We spoke to all sorts of people from all sorts of different backgrounds who, you know, believe in the right to bear arms. Um, most of them think a piece of paper enforces it, and it was good to get out and talk about, you know, the natural right to bear arms and to talk about, um, you know, how dangerous law enforcement is and how dangerous it is to, you know, cuddle up to them. Um, because <laughs> it's not going to do them any good. They, they're sitting there with a thin blue line flag down on the ground, and there's police snipers watching us. The fucking guys up there watching us all day. Um, you, you know they're marksmen, and, uh, you know, we traded hand signals and stuff, and... I don't know, I, I, I don't get how people can think <laughs> when they have, like, a QRF and fucking guys patrolling our crowd and watching over us how these guys are on our side it's and, and even more so this year after all the stuff at the capital we're gonna be you know basically just they're just gonna view us as potential domestic terrorists not that they didn't already but um anyway so yeah show up it's good to to good good to have our crowd there and to have as many people um talking to media and and other people who you know, adjacent to our crowd, who are almost there, but don't quite get it. My advice, if you're, if you're planning on coming, would be to wear some kind of kit, like a chest rig or a plate carrier. It's, you know, completely fine and cool if you want to show up in, you know, t-shirt and jeans and sling your rifle or holster a pistol or whatever. Um, but I think it's more impactful to see, you know, professional-looking civilians in, uh, you know, well-adjusted gear and, you know, to look the part, not, not LARPing, I, I think, um, and that's the second part of this, look professional and normal, you know, normal streetwear and kit, instead of looking like you go in airsofting and wearing, you know, full camo in the middle of the capital, um, it just doesn't make any sense, and it looks a little bit silly, like, you see how the, uh, you know, the T-Rex arms guys dress, um, when they're doing, like, you know, civilian stuff with gear, you just look like an adult who's, uh, not LARPing, not playing dress-up, you just, you know, you're a professional civilian, like, wear, you know, what you would to the range, like, you know, comfortable pants, I, I, I would call them trousers, but apparently that's not how you guys speak here, um, you know, uh, I wear, like, Solomon's, what I wear at the range, basically, long sleeve shirt, whatever, something functional, and then your kit, um, I'm gonna be masked up again, you know, anonymity and stuff, uh, and then, um, Shades and a cap. Appropriate patches. Personally, a, lo a lot of people like to do the whole, I'm just here for the violent shit, and I, I fucking hate that. Um, people love to use pictures of us to show on us. No one's on our side in the media. So if someone takes a picture of you, and you discussed all day, you know, um, how it's, it's a defensive movement, like, we're not the aggressors here, the government is the one encroaching on us and our rights, and we're, we're being criminalized for doing nothing. And then you have a patch that says, I'm just here for the violence. You've just fucked all that away, you know? Because no one's gonna... They're not gonna fucking quote you to make you sound good. They're gonna take one picture of you and then write about what they heard some guy who was gonna go to the rally 
what his ideology was, some bullshit like that. So instead, um, you know, personally, I do rock uh, on my back. I rock a you know little circle A patch. Um, that's just for the optics. You know, it's it's to entice people, maybe get media to to talk to me, something different. Um, if they if they are talking to people, it's not an ego thing, but. You know, we're there to try and promote a message, and if media wants to talk to people, it's, you know, beneficial that anyone who has the, the confidence or is, is wanting, is open to talking to the media to do so, you know? That might help. Uh, it's also a conversation starter. And then on my front, I got my little square Gadsden snake, uh, which already, you know, the lefty anarchists are cringing at, but fuck you, whatever. Um... It's, again, kind of balancing that Americana with something a little bit spicier. You know, and I'm a, I'm a big aesthetics person. I think symbols are very important. It's kind of my whole thing as, like, a, a wannabe propagandist. So both those symbols is going to draw questions. Instead of just seeing just the Circle A or just the Gadsden, it's a juxtaposition of guys who would see just the Gadsden and be like, Right on, brother! And the people who'd see the Circle A and call me Antifa. It's going to actually, you know, people are going to be like, Oh, well, what's your deal, dude? And then, um, in addition to that, I've got a IR, um, uh, US, UK, like, half and half, uh, flag, and I've got that upside down, again, um, that's gonna open, that's gonna potentially be a conversation starter, and below that, I've got my Peace, Autonomy, Liberty patch. Again, it's, it's that symbolism, I want people to, to have questions and, and to talk to me, I'm not there to just be sitting on the, on the Capitol steps with a rifle, being photographed for someone's, um, shit-talking piece, I wanna, I wanna talk to people, and not necessarily just reporters and shit, or, or, uh, any media, but I also wanna talk to people who, you know, might assume that all gun owners are on the same page, um, and seeing odd symbolism and stuff like that, or new symbolism, um, again, combining that Gadsden, that old Americana with these scary anarchist symbols, um, they've been stockpiling thousands of rounds of 2234. You know, it's, it's just important to get out there and to make those opportunities where you wouldn't get them online. Because most of these guys, you know, they, they don't hang out on Instagram, they hang out in gun shops, or they hang out wherever in their local community. They're not so much social media guys. And you're not going to change them all, but making them question that NRA lifetime membership and hitting the red button every four years and thinking that's the solution, you know, it's a start. Also, this is like one of the only times I would tell you to open carry because in general, I think open carry, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's a deterrent. It's like, eh, I'd rather be unsuspecting until I need to use a gun if ever. It just causes less issues in my opinion. Just better for avoiding conflict until you need to resolve a conflict very quickly. Um, but open carry at protests, you know, again, we're back to spreading a message. Why are you there? You know, why are you carrying a gun outside the Capitol? Are you... And you gotta think, what are people gonna ask if they see you there? Because I, I mean, I'm, I'm at a protest or a, a rally, whatever, to, um, to network with people, but also to uh, spread that message, like I keep saying. So, I'm gonna be rocking my AR, I'm gonna have my drum mag, and as some of you guys have seen, I've got my... Uh, Little Calvin pissing on the thin blue line from uh, my co-host Bulikas Beware, uh, aka Gramps. So you know that's gonna again <laughs> turn some heads. I'm probably I might get spat or get some uh, death glares from old Republican women who have no idea what liberty actually is beyond a, a slogan they see on Walmart merchandise. But 
Um, you know, it's... I'm not there to... I don't want to be arguing with people. I don't want to be sitting there debating and arguing. I want to be talking to people. I want to be leveling with people. I'm going to be very chill, because that's the only way to be at these kind of things. Be alert, be aware, but I'm there chilling. I'm not there to, like, march on this stupid temple of government, because what's that going to do for me? I'm there to, to show people that there's a better way than relying on government to free you from government tyranny. And, and to have those conversations, and, and to open people up to questioning authority a bit more, as much as I can. So yeah, open carry, rifle, pistol, whatever, and better yet, um, if you have a 3D printed gun, you know, even a pistol in a holster, you can say like, oh yeah, I, I 3D printed this thing. That's another good conversation you can have. People are all thinking this HR-127 or whatever the newest round of uh, state gun control is, I mean, 3D printing has ended gun control. There's no way to stop the signal at this point. It is out there. It might get a little bit more difficult to do, but ultimately the technology exists. It's very accessible. And um, there's so much effective technology out there that you can print very functional um, sub-guns, even rifles, or almost the components for a rifle, for not very much money at all, and produce it at home. That ends gun control. You can make, you can make a gun in China or the UK now. So the debate's kind of over at this point. So yeah, if you have one, some of you guys saw that guy in I think it was uh, Virginia at the Lobby Day rally, a year on from the big famous one in Virginia, Richmond. There was a guy with a three D printed lower, and he was showing the journalists, and he didn't do the best. You know, he 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 was good to bring it. That was a a good idea to to show it and be like, yep, the debate's over. You guys are so far behind, you have no idea what you're trying to do. Um, and, again, when when you report on that, you know, you, you've got... <laughs> you've got the, the verbal people bitching about how dangerous this is, and then you have 500 other people seeing the headline and being like, hmm, maybe I gotta get me a printer. <laughs> With a silent majority, so many people own a gun in this country, and so many people more are like, hmm, maybe it's time I own a gun. So, yeah, people don't want to be locked out of that, and people seeing it's always going to be a possibility because of this technology are going to going to look into it, and them reporting on it, and they're kind of forced to because it's so jarring, is only going to help spread the message. It it does more good than harm. If you have a three D printed gun, um, bring it along. It'd be great to uh, to see some of those being carried, and to have those discussions. You know, point everyone to good old Saint Pew Control Pew, all of his associates like Ivan. Uh, deterrence dispense, etc. Um, show them the guide. I was, uh, I need to, I need some propaganda this year. I haven't even designed a printer yet. I want to do more stickers, but it's been so last minute. I've been so busy. I'm not sure if I'm going to get it done, but we'll see what I have. I might have something to hand you guys, or I might just be a handshake, and I apologize. <laughs> but um, I will be there regardless. Um, next up for things I'd recommend, um, like I've been saying, uh, be prepared to explain why you're there. It's, you know, you might have it straight in your head, but you don't want to be stuttering to a reporter or, you know, even to be asked offhand by some old boomer. They're like, oh, why are you wearing a mask? You know, why, why are you wearing black or whatever, whatever the deal is? What's that? What's that symbol? You know, you, you can actually respond back with something that's better than just like a jab. You can actually defend your position, be rational, be very reasonable and I'd, I'd even advise polite until they're not. 
I, I know, you know, we like to be abrasive and edgy little pricks, but, you know, g- give them a chance, and if they're, if they're pricks, you know, be your snarky little asshole selves, I know we're all capable, but it's good to start off at least trying to have a, <laughs> have a rational conversation with them, and, and seeing how they honestly react, you know, be the good guy, um, as long as you, as long as you can stand to be, um, but yeah, know what you're talking about, know what you want to say, um, rather than just <laughs> going for it the second someone shoves a mic in your face trying to catch you off hand, you know, um, whenever there's a well-spoken person, it reverberates so much better than another shithead waving a Gadsden who's like, government, uh, like, what, what's that do for us? We just sound like fucking lunatics, sound like a rational, reasonable, normal, relatable person. And we all, on some level, I know I know some are more t- autistic than others, but um, on some level, you're all fucking regular people. You can all talk to a person and, and you know, show some empathy, see why they, they might look at you like you're a fucking lunatic, and see what you can at least try and say to get them to level with you. Um, and whether the person asking the question does or not is one thing, but people overhearing, people who see anything that gets uh, passed on, videos, interviews, etc. Um, it might reverberate with them, so it's all valuable. Oh, bring signs and flags, again, symbolism, um, and these interviews, like, there's going to be far more photographs than interviews. No one's necessarily seeking out our opinion or wanting, they, they, they might not necessarily want us to be well-spoken, they might just want the gotcha. So, even if every interview is shit-canned, they're gonna want pictures, because those are the nice gotchas for the headlines, you know? Look at these crazy guys standing in the in the middle of the city with rifles and, and gear. They're militants. Um, no, you want you want to have a sign <laughs> that the guys who had, like, um, all the silly shit in, in Richmond, and even the stuff that was, like, um, you know, good old Governor Blackface, uh, Ralph Northam, <clears throat> pictures of him in in Blackface or the, or the hood, who knows which. I think it was a Blackface, which is... I'm not sure if that's worse. It's really, really hard to decide, isn't it? But, um, but uh, people had pictures of him, you know, they're in full kit wearing a rifle, and then they're like, yeah, this governor's a hypocrite and, and a fucking racist prick. What's he got to, you know, to call us white supremacists? You know, shit like that. Level with humor and a picture is going to last so much longer and go so much further than necessarily your words, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, signs are really good. Have a sense of humor. And flags... And that's why I've started, and I, I, I'm just plugging the absolute shit out of my own flag here, but I'll, I'll, you know, be reasonable about it. You know, I've started using my Peace Autonomy Liberty flag because, although I, you know, really like the more classic Americana symbols and stuff, they're just being corrupted the fuck out of by, uh, by all these idiots who don't really understand the meaning, <laughs> like the Gadsden. And so, you know, my, my Peace Autonomy Liberty flag... I incorporated the Gadsden for the message of that, but also, um, you know, separating it. It's still got that origin, but it's, um, you know, people have to ask about it. It's it's something different, it's something new, and uh, I think that's, we need kind of a, a breath of fresh air in this day and age when we get lumped in with so many other groups, um, and we're getting recognized more and more, and even separating ourselves from the Boogaloo stuff, kind of a serious, timeless front that... We need more symbols, and, you know, my flags, my attempt at it, other people have, have given it a go, and, you know, power to everyone who's doing something different to, to give us symbols that, um, 
you know, can be their own thing, and, you know, they can smear us as they like, but at least it's us, not this big conglomerate of people who barely overlap with us. They own ARs, and that's, like, damn near the only thing similar between us. That was quite the ramble, wasn't it, lads? But yeah, your picture's going to be seen a lot more than any words, so. Having something in hand that explains why you're there is, is invaluable. Finally, bring water. Stay hydrated, this is a threat. Jesus, if you're standing, we're gonna be standing, standing around for like, you know, four hours, four or five hours. It's gonna be a little bit warm, and, you know, I advise, being my, uh, paranoid self, I personally like to hide skin, you know, hide tattoos, hide your face and all that stuff, because the, the way things are going, you saw how they identified everyone who went, who went to the capital, and not that we're doing anything fucking wrong, but, I mean... We're on enough watch lists, we don't, and they probably know we're all going there, but don't make their job any easier, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, yeah, bring water, <laughs> stay hydrated, I don't know how staying hydrated got to that, but, um, we're gonna be in the sun for a little bit, you know. There will be food trucks, though, really fucking good food trucks, so, you know, if, if anything, come for the, they have these, like, what do they call them, Indian taco bowls, like, oh. Fucking incredible. I'm gonna get one of them again. Amazing. Um, <laughs> uh, and, um, last thing, bring a group. The more the merrier. This was meant to be, like, a quick intro for the rally and ended up being, like, the first 20 minutes, but that's fine. A lot of you might be wondering why I go to these things, because, you know, I'm past the point for politics, personally. I'm, I'm more about non-compliance, um, 3D printing, you know, going outside the system, rather than trying to convince it to let you retain your rights, because it doesn't care. The system wants to grow bigger and more powerful, and to more efficiently control its tax cattle. That's it. I don't think standing outside their sacred temple with guns is going to convince them not to take away our rights, <laughs> or attempt to take away our rights. Um, but, you know, it's it's a good it's a good way to network with people, to um, to spread that message, and to show that you can just... You, you can be openly disobedient, to an extent, you know, you can, there's, there's still a culture of rebelliousness, and, um, it's, it's more than just a Republican thing, it's, you know, it's human natural rights. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to have professional kid up, you know, and, um, well-spoken people turn up to these things in big numbers, um, just so we have a challenge to this FUD-centric, useless, all-talk-no-action group that waves their flags all jolly and then fucking loses rights and have been since before most of us were born. You know, it's, it's time to really change the face of what gun rights absolutism is, because for the longest time, gun- that- <laughs> that has meant that you enjoy target shooting recreationally, and you own like a 1022, a deer rifle, and maybe a Cabela's AR. You know, it, it's it's time to reinforce that culture of the American rifleman, the capable individual who doesn't need police. He can look after his own community, his own property. So anyway, you know, it's all good to talk about how we should protest, but why do we protest? And why do we protest armed? Why should we protest armed? I mean, my quick opinion on that is, um, 
armed protesters don't get gassed, they don't get brutalized, because cops don't want to escalate, they don't want, they don't want it to get to that kind of level when they're, you know, they've got, like, a few SWAT teams on hand, maybe, but all of them are rocking riot gear at, you know, say, like, a, a walking protest, a march kind of deal. You don't want to turn that into a gunfight, so it's good to have people who are willing, you know, I don't, I don't care what the cause is. If you have a, a non-violent message, you should probably be armed at the protest because <laughs> they don't care that your, your message is non-violent. You, can, you should be peaceful but not harmless. I always say this. If you're armed and they're armed, they don't want to escalate. Because no, no one really wants to be in that moment. Only, only a psycho wants to be in that moment. So instead of, you know, kettling uh, defenseless people in, as they've been doing um, over the last summer, 2020, um, boxing people in and then pepper spraying them and forcing them into one spot so they can arrest them. Until one of them throws a rock and then they kick the fucking shit out of them, gas them. That doesn't happen when there's armed protesters. You know, there's like a standoff, there's lines. But yeah, it, it was it was really cool to see uh, people, you know, trying to prevent cases of police brutality by marching with protesters when they were armed and kitted up. And, you know, we saw that it was effective. And so obviously they tried to smear it, they tried to say that people were trying to take advantage of the... Uh, the Black Lives Matter protest and saying that they were trying to escalate things when in, in reality most were out there to be a human shield and to dissuade cops from escalating, which is historically exactly how armed protesting has been used since its revival in the late 60s. So the Black Panthers, this is the history part I wanted to get into, and you, you can hear me lighten up because the history is fun. Um, I love fucking disobedience and I love that disobedience is not some like it's not a new thing. It's been around for a fucking age. This country was founded on it. That's why I moved out here. You know, there's at least a culture of it. And there has been for a minute. So, 1967. Um, I've been reading this... Re reading some articles about this. Uh, one was from actually the first report of it in 1967. So, two dozen armed Black Panthers entered the state capital at noon today and ten made their way back to the assembly chamber before they were disarmed and marched away by state police. This is California, the California capital. And it's funny how this echoes um, recent events. So I have this History Channel article from 2018 that was surprisingly, surprisingly well written from uh, Thad Morgan, and it doesn't mention aliens once. Um, so it's titled, The NRA supported gun control when the Black Panthers had the weapons. Back in the 1960s, even the NRA supported gun control to disarm the group. And so it's, um, you know, it echoes basically every, everything our community talks about, how, um, you know, the NRA is basically controlled opposition. Um, and uh, Black Panthers were the ones who really, you know, th there's always been instances of armed groups like um, the Battle of Athens, uh, you know, resisting, armed civilians resisting um, some kind of government entity. Um, but this was like one of the, one of the high profile ones because of the, uh, the, you know, kind of rise of, um, the civil rights movements and the, the scare that there was going to be like a black revolution. And so, um, I'm going to start kind of in the middle of the article. I'm just going to read some of this to you and we can kind of talk about, um, the significance of this event. 
So, once again, this was May 2nd, 1967. In contrast to the NRA's rigid opposition to gun control in today's America, the organization fought alongside the government for stricter gun regulations in the 1960s. This was part of an effort to keep guns out of the hands of African Americans as racial tensions in the nation grew. The NRA felt especially threatened by the Black Panthers, whose well-photographed carrying of weapons in public spaces was entirely legal in the state of California where they were based. So, the NRA at this time was not all, um, all about carrying and, you know, uh, gun rights, really, in the modern sense at all. Um, and so the article continues. The Black Panthers were innovators in the way they viewed the Second Amendment at the time. Rather than focus on the idea of self-defense in the home, like the NRA did, the Black Panthers brazenly took their weapons to the streets, where they felt the public, particularly African Americans, needed protection from a corrupt government. These ideas eventually infiltrated into the NRA to shape the modern gun debate, explains Winker. Who the fuck is Winker? I forget. Oh, I missed this part of the article. Um, Adam Winkler is author of Gunfight, the Battle Over the Right to Bear Arms. So, I guess he's the authority here. Um, as gun control laws swept the nation, the organization adopted a similar stance to that of the activist group they once fought to regulate, with support for open carry laws and concealed weapon laws high on their agenda. Few aspects of the United States Constitution have been as murky and divisive as the Second Amendment. The amendment states that a, quote, well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. Ugh. Good lord, did they fucking get off track with that, eh? While some view the amendment to mean that American citizens have inalienable right to guns, focusing on the right to bear arms, others take it to mean that only a well-regulated militia would have that undeniable right, with the emphasis on well-regulated and militia, the Black Panthers would find themselves in the middle ground of both interpretations. Um, actually, they'd find themselves bang in the middle of the correct interpretation. Well-regulated meant that they were organized and they had uh, functional weapons and gear, essentially. They were, you know, ready to go, Minutemen. They could drop what they were doing, grab their shit, and respond to whatever it might be. Um, and militia. A militia is just a collection of citizens. You know, it's a loose militant unit. Um, it doesn't mean National Guard. But anyway, I mean, the piece of paper doesn't grant us rights, but it was well written, and the language wasn't murky for, for the time. It, you know, when when you look at the historical definitions of the words, it was very fucking clear. But everyone just plays blind today for political points, even constitutional lawyers supposedly. But again, that's why constitutions are bullshit. Originally called the Black Panthers for Self-Defense, the radical African-American group was formed in, formed in 1966 in Oakland, California, by Huey Newton and Bobby Seale, based on the ideology of the late Malcolm X. They believed that the fight for racial equality would not be won by a slow drip of non-violent actions and protests, as Martin Luther King Jr. preached, but that stronger actions were, were required to ensure black people's survival. A large part of the group's campaign against racial injustice relied on gun ownership and training. That sounds familiar. Newton and Steele began collecting a variety of guns during the early years of the Black Panthers, including machine guns, rifles, and handguns. Very based. New recruits were required to learn how to wield, clean, and shoot guns, in addition to understanding their right to carry firearms and how to communicate that to police in California. 
Newton put his own knowledge of the law to the test after he and Seal were stopped by Oakland police officers in early 1967 in a vehicle filled with weapons. When questioned about the guns, Newton simply replied that he only, that the only thing he was obliged to do was give his identification, name, and address. At the request of the officer, Newton stepped out of the car, rifle still in tow, and refused to explain why he and the other Black Panthers were carrying their weapons. Now, I want to quickly note, picture this, you know, 60s cop, loose-fitting, shitty, uh, blue shirt, probably some fucking wrinkled-up Korean War vet, and he's, uh, he's, he sees a car full of black guys in berets with rifles, and he's like, oh, fuck, pulls them over, and, um, they all step out armed. At this point, you know, even if he has a partner with him, um, they're outgunned. And so notice how there's nothing about the guy drawing on them like they so often do today, where they feel invincible. Um, it's a group of armed guys in a car, so he doesn't escalate. He keeps it calm and orderly. This is going to be the lesson that continues throughout the entirety of this episode. So anyway, Black Panthers stepped out, carrying their weapons, as onlookers gathered. So this is like in a public space. The police tried to disperse the crowd while Newton welcomed them. He knew that under California law, bystanders could legally view an arrest as long as they didn't intrude. Always film the police. But, I mean, back then, not everyone had a camera phone, so... <laughs> no one had a camera phone. So, but yeah, you have eyewitnesses, you know, you can't do anything. You can't really Rodney King, uh... uh there's multiple layers to this. There's witnesses, and then a group of armed guys. You can't go beating the shit out of them. You can't even pull your gun on them. You're... You're fucked. You have to keep it chill. And rightfully so. That's how it should be all the time. Since there were no violations for the police to charge the Black Panther members with, and a growing pack of witnesses, they were able to leave the scene without any trouble from law enforcement. And this is exactly what applies to protest too. And so a lot of people, you know, they might think that I'm like, I don't know, obsessed with the, the whole Black Panther analogy and story, but it's literally where the idea of armed protesting comes from, because... It doesn't even necessarily have to be a gun rights protest. If you're protesting something that you believe in, and the protest could turn ugly, the cops could potentially escalate. Being armed, visibly armed, and with a, a big group so you can't be singled out, is a great way to de-escalate, or to stop conflict before it starts. No one wants to be... The, the cops don't even want to raise pepper guns, to necessarily. You know, Obviously, there's, there's all sorts of instances. It's been a fucking chaotic year, but for the most part, Officers don't want to be pointing anything that looks like a gun at guys with guns. So it doesn't even get to that point. You just get standoffs, you get cops monitoring you, walking alongside you, but it doesn't get past that. And you don't let them separate you from the, the protesters from each other. You know, you keep tight and and uh, keep communication open. And, you know, you're not going to be fucked with nearly as much as you would otherwise. Um, so anyway, the article continues. Emboldened by their calm exchange with the police, members of the group began to follow police cars and dispense legal advice to African Americans who were stopped by the police while legally carrying their weapons. The group referred to these activities as police patrols. I, I fucking love that. That's... I mean, unfortunately, we live in a fucking dystopian police state, so we should police the police. We have to, because clearly, they brutalize people so fucking often. It's... It's, it's not like a lack of uh, police brutality, it's a lack of people filming it. <laughs> because now that people are more aware of it and more 
likely to instinctually pull out a camera more emboldened to because, you know, there's actually been some some social progress with it becoming a more mainstream topic again. And like I said last time, or in, in episode one, um, I was glad that uh, a lot of leftists were actually sticking to their guns and critiquing the Biden administration for um, kind of sweeping it under the rug, as we all knew they would. So, um, yeah, hopefully it keeps up, and hopefully... Um, you know, I, I want to see more armed protests. We're seeing all sorts of different groups trying it now, and it freaks some people out, but to me, I, you know, I'm completely behind it. I think the more people, you know, the more people radicalizing and, and just normalizing that, um, the less capable they're going to be to uh, to stop it. I mean, they, they can't just point and say, oh, it's right-wing extremists anymore. It's protesters of really every issue, damn near. Um, and that's great, because it means they can't just slap one band-aid and use one kind of administration to end it. It's, it's always going to be a tool of dissidence now, left, right, whatever, you know. Um, and the more that becomes normalized, I hope it's not just a flash in the pan, and I don't think it will be. The article continues, Bobby Seale and Huey Newton used the Second Amendment to justify carrying guns in public to police the police, says Winkler. The Panthers would stand to the sidelines with the guns, shouting out directions to the person, that they had the right to remain silent, that they were watching, and that if anything bad happened, that the Black Panthers would be there to protect them. So, you know, that that's absolutely how it should be. I mean, even just in your community. And this is such a big thing. <laughs> like, fucking talk to your neighbors instead of just calling the police all the time. Um, building up, you know, trust between your neighbors and having... Not, not necessarily a neighborhood watch, but something in that kind of vein. Something a bit more, you know, like, you know someone who's got, who's an EMT. You know someone who's, you know, a big guy who could maybe hold someone down if they're having a fit or something. Or, you know, who could help if, um, who's and who's willing to, you know, if there's uh, some kind of domestic issue. Not, and, you know, not everyone's going to be interested in that, but... It's much better to rely on um, on neighbors who might be completely and really often are people are people are human. Um, if if you can manage to talk to to your neighbors, e- even when you like, I when I first got here, I lived in an apartment and it was pretty hard to fucking. No one wants to talk to you in an apartment, but in time, um, we had like a few security issues, and I managed to talk to my neighbors and just just knowing their fucking names and. You know, even having their numbers so I could be like, we could all text each other if uh, if there was a break-in or something or whatever, some kind of issue. Or um, my neighbor one time got harassed by uh, some IRS guy, and he might have been legit, but he was like fucking scary about it. The guy looked homeless, and he was like beating on her door for 30 minutes, telling her it was the law and shit. And I went out there and told him to fuck off. And she was, she called the cops, unfortunately, but... I managed to get him to leave before the cops came. And, I don't know, who knows if he was actually IRS or if he was just, like, a, a guy trying... This was, a for, for the record, this was a young, like, 90-pound nurse who worked late and would come home in the, you know, in the dark. And people managed to break into our complex quite often. And so I had no idea. This guy shouldn't have been even able to be knocking on our doors. So he was very fucking suspicious. But, 
yeah, I mean, I, I ended it without any fucking violence, which, you know, I is kind of the pr preferred outcome because, Christ, you don't want cops coming up and getting all jumpy, some guy wants to get a notch on his belt, have that kill, unloads his fucking Glock in a hallway of drywall, you know, puts some rounds, you know, gets this fucking maybe wannabe rapist or <laughs> maybe just a fucking tax man, who knows or cares. Um, same difference, right? You know, if, if they gun him down and put some holes in him and they go through into someone's apartment, there's collateral damage. I mean, you know, no, no, one's, no one even wants fucking gunshots in their complex. I mean, all these things, I managed to tell him to fuck off and he left before the cops even came. So just talk to your fucking neighbors, all that good stuff. And that's what they were doing. You know, they were they were building a community of people, not police, because they knew that police didn't serve them. Um you know, reliably or safely, even, you, you call a cop into your neighborhood, and next thing you know, your, your sibling is in cuffs or shot, because they, they don't understand communication, they don't know de-escalation, and they just want control of a situation, and they don't know how to do it safely, they just don't, they're not trained well enough, um, so, moving on, um, they also organized a march to the capital, uh, this is the, the one in May, they also organized a march to the capital to draw attention to their cause of fighting against a government that sought to infringe on their right to bear arms. Now you see why I like these guys. <laughs> I mean, the Black Panthers really were a gun rights and so they were like equal a gun rights and civil rights organization because they went hand in hand to protect their ability to survive at a time when they were being, you know, brutalized, swept under the rug. Um, and, he, and even suppressed by the, the biggest powers that be. Um, Reagan was fucking terrified of them. <laughs> um, they also organized a march to the capital to draw attention to their cause of fighting against a government that sought to infringe on their right to bear arms. On May 2nd, 1967, 30, 30 fully armed Black Panthers occupied the California state capital. And for reference, I think there was like six guns confiscated at the capital, the capital riots, and no one, I don't think they were even rifles, it was like pistols, everyone was concealed carrying, and not even, you know, didn't have them out or anything, they just got arrested and had the guns taken, but, um, these guys were not concealing, 30 fully armed Black Panthers, so likely, um, you know, either a long arm, or a long arm and a handgun, a sidearm, <laughs> um, and they just, they stroll into the state capitol. The demonstration was motivated by Republican Assemblyman Don Mulford's bill to repeal the law allowing Californians to openly carry weapons, a, di a direct response to Black Panther's police patrols. So, California, good old progressive California, um, was like, hey, we have people stopping police from harassing people. They're standing off to the side and policing our police. Well, we can't have people standing up to us like that. You know, we got to be the authority. And so they wanted to repeal the ability to openly carry. Take away their ability to, to be equal to the police, which is what free men should be able to do. Before entering the building, Bobby Seale read a written statement on the Capitol steps in front of Governor Ronald Reagan. The fucking... Republican God himself, with all of his uh, Second Amendment junkies who worship him. Fucking insane. The American people in general, and the black people in particular, Seal declared... Oh, I thought this was Reagan talking. <laughs> and the, that, that was about to get really bad. Um, 
Okay, so this is Seal talking, reading on the steps to his fellow Black Panthers. The American people in general, and black people in particular, Seal declared, must take careful note of the racist California legislature aimed at keeping the black people disarmed and powerless. And, you know, right on. Um, not that it's just a black issue, but that's what they were trying to do, you know? This group was being brutalized by the cops, and they were trying to, they were doing something about it, and California was like, nope, you're not equal to us. And they said, fuck you. <laughs> so, the group of activists occupying the Capitol with fully loaded weapons on full display was an unforgettable sight. However, their demonstration backfired, and the bill passed both the State Assembly and Senate with the full support of the NRA. Whew. In addition to repealing open carry laws in California, Mulford made it illegal to take firearms into the Capitol. On July 28th, it was signed into law by Governor Reagan. Very pro-gun, Governor Reagan. Burn in hell. Who later commented that he saw no reason why on the street today a citizen should carry should be carrying loaded weapons. Just gonna let that one hang in the air. No reason why on the street today a citizen should be carrying loaded weapons. Um Yeah. Speaks for itself. Obviously, uh the state marched on and made they made an example of these guys. I mean, that's where non-compliance comes in. You can't just be like, oh, well, damn, the law doesn't allow it. And, and obviously, you know, that makes um, disobedience is risky. It comes with risks. It's not like the easy path. Um, so that's kind of what we're facing at this point, where it's like, oh, hey, you guys are doing something completely legal. Um, well, we're about to criminalize it. And you're going to go from, you know, being a being a citizen to a subject where if we find that you're breaking this law, we're going to ruin your life. We're going to put you in prison for God knows how long, charge you stupid amounts of money to completely destabilize your life and um, destroy your family. We will we will take you away from your family. So, um, I, I'm, sh I'm sure plenty of those guys didn't stop carrying, but they might have gone more, more smart about it. Um, Mulford had effectively played on white America's fear of African Americans during the 1960s, stripping away the power the Black Panthers found in brandishing their guns. While the bill was effective in disarming the Black Panthers, it didn't have much effect in reducing criminal violence, Winkler notes. I mean, obviously not. These guys were not criminals. They were civil rights activists. They were out there trying to do good for their community. They were trying to protect, you know, innocence uh, from from police brutality, from pointless, victimless crime arrests, etc. Um, and, and general harassment. So, you know, that, that's the same thing. We're right back there. And, um, you know, they, they might push it through. They might make it so we all have to risk serving God knows how much time in prison. <laughs> um, God, that, that sounds like a, like a Cards Against Humanity card. <laughs> serving God knows how much time in prison. Um, anyway, although it may seem contrary to the ideologies to the ideologies of the NRA in the 21st century, this wasn't the first time that the NRA, which was originally founded in 1871, with the intention of training Civil War veterans on marksmanship, had supported gun control legislation. In the 1920s and 1930s, the NRA supported restrictions on who could carry guns on the streets in order to decrease hostility towards European immigrants who were known to openly carry weapons at the time within the country. Whew. 
So you come to a new country in search of freedom, and this National Rifle Association is like, ah, the foreigner, he is dangerous. They wanted to come live the cowboy life, and the NRA was like, fuck you, go back to where you came from. Does that sound like the NRA that's for everyone? That, you know, America's favorite pastime is shooting ducks and deer. <laughs> Not preparing to stack bodies if the occasion arises. Um, anyway. Uh, after the assassinations of Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy in 1968, the NRA backed the Gun Control Act that passed the same year, which put substantial restrictions on the purchase of guns based on mental illness, drug addiction, and age, among other factors. So you can al also thank the NRA for helping to criminalize um, smoking weed and owning guns. How fucking dumb. <laughs> Something that makes you, like, the safest gun owner out there. The most fucking relaxed, non-violent gun owner possible. Um, is now criminalized thanks to the ATF, NRA, and DEA. As far as I'm concerned, all hostile entities. Ironically, it was the gun control laws that were put into effect against African Americans and the Black Panthers that led rural white conservatives across the country to fear any restrictions on their own guns, Winkler says. In less than a decade, the NRA would go from backing gun control regulations to inhibit groups they felt threatened by, <laughs> they felt threatened by to refusing to support any gun control legislation at all. So... Yeah, that's the that's the history of modern gun control and um, the Black Panthers and the NRA and how it's all connected, um, and also the brief modern history of open carrying uh, as a protest. It was not something that was really done back then. Obviously, you know, people weren't standing outside the the Capitol with uh, with deer guns and stuff. Not not really notably until then. We have the Black Panthers to thank for uh, this new tradition of standing outside the Capitol with a with a rifle or going to protest with a rifle and plates and, you know, saying, nope, I'm equal to you, I'm not a subject, I'm a citizen. It essentially comes down to being used as a way to dissuade police brutality, and it always has been. Um, doesn't matter who you are, um, a gun makes you equal to, to anyone else, especially authority. It's equality of capability of force, which is really important, especially if you live in a country that has a, a history of hurting its own civilians. Alright, I had some pretty good questions from you guys, and I think I'm gonna mainly stick to the kind of theme of the week, and um, it'll just kind of be its own definitive little thing on its own. Let's see. What does armed protest do that non-compliance doesn't do better? Um, nothing at all. Non-compliance is absolutely the you know, spine of, um, of evading gun control. You should, you should have many different ways to not comply. Privately purchased arms, 3D printed firearms, wh whatever you want to do. You guys are all fucking lunatics like me, preppers and such. You know, there's all sorts of clever ways to, to, um, hide your guns from tyrants. As you should. I like armed protests as a, a in addition to non-compliance, because not only do I like to put out the idea that you should be prepared to not comply with laws, because laws, you know, victimless, victimless crime laws should be ignored, because it's just an infringement on your rights, but also you want to spread that culture, you want to spread the idea of non-compliance, and the best way to do that is to be public about it, you know, safely, 
um, and to spread the idea in person, networking and talking to people. So, uh, yeah, be bold, be propagandists, um, and share, share ideas on how to do it. Are the Black Panthers a good example to follow? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I like the, their core purpose as, um, as these guys I was just talking about were doing. Policing the police, basically. That was, that's a, that was a very fucking good way to do things. And they were also, they were doing all sorts of community outreach, all completely voluntary of their own volition. I think they were a pretty good organization. You know, the, at least in that, in that manner. There's all sorts of, um, break-offs and the group, you know, like any, becomes a whole different thing over time. Um, you have, you know, black nationalists, which I don't respect any more than I do white nationalists, I think. Um, people who think race makes them superior, uh, fucking retarded, <laughs> to be very woke about it, um, so yeah, uh, the, you know, anyone who's, who got to that kind of supremacist nationalist stage, um, I'm not too crazy about, but their original purpose, you know, protecting the basic civil rights, uh, with firearms was exactly how people should live under governments, as long as they exist, you should combat them at every turn in a, in the most peaceful and powerful way you can. Next question. Good idea to carry live ammo at a protest or nah? Um, I mean, I always have. I treat it just like carrying, you know, my, my Glock on me. It's, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm prepared for something to kick off, but that's like my worst fucking day. I'm not like going there to be action man. Um, I'm just actually being about it, you know, like, if you don't carry live rounds, it's just a prop, rather than a, a true statement, like, I am equal to you, to the police, you know, to, to any government entity that's armed, um, if I'm not armed, I'm just at their whim, you know, if they want to turn a protest, you know, and this is a rally that we're talking about in Arizona, um, this Saturday, but if we're talking protests and stuff, I mean, both are the same to me. You know, you want to be carrying because you're carrying to defend yourself. It's not likely. It's very unlikely you're going to defend yourself. But that's the same as carrying your, your sidearm every day. So, yeah. Carry live ammo. Of course, uh, keep good retention of your weapon. Sling. Sling it. Um, importance of finding a group because it's safer and, well, much more fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um... I think a minimum of three, I mean, three's a crowd, uh, personally, I mean, a duo, I've seen a lot of guys I went with, uh, or met up with last time were just in a duo, whatever you can do, but the more the merrier, um, it's safer, just cause if you can be one big group, uh, you know, going back and forth, even from the protest or rally to your car, you never know if someone's gonna, like a cop's gonna try and uh, pull you aside, or separate you, or, you know, maybe try to incriminate you in some stupid fucking way, um, so being in a bigger group, I think that's the only way to do it, especially, like I said, if you're moving away from the main protest, um, it gets really fucking dangerous to be a, a lone guy running around and kitting a rifle, you don't want to stray from the protest, and next thing you know, you have a guy calling 911 on you, uh, so yeah, Stay in a group and have, in addition to that, have a clear kind of plan how to get back to your vehicle or whatever your um, exit plan is. Have I been to one? Uh, yeah, 
last year's Second Amendment rally in Arizona I went to, and um, it wasn't, it was, it was more chill than I thought, and it was after the Virginia rally, which we were all, like, super fucking tense about, because we didn't know what was going to happen with the climate, with them bringing in, like, police shield bulldozer fucking things and mass casualty tents, and then it ended up just being, you know, shout out to Trigi and them, uh, Rezzy being out the dock, um, <laughs> just dancing in the street, barbecuing, and carrying rifles and gear, so, um, and then being called white supremacists anyway, <laughs> but, uh, no, that, I think that was a very successful protest, and, um, so ours was pretty chill as well, like, after, after that had passed, and we saw how successful they could be, and how, you know, nothing happened, um, it was, it was very chill, and uh, even though we had snipers fucking watching us, <laughs> and I'm sure they'll be there again, the fucking twats, too many people think protesting the government with guns in hand is a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, true. Uh, you're going to be labeled a certain thing, but as these protests become more and more normal, there's just so much more evidence that violence doesn't happen. There's been limited instances, like the fucking Carl Rittenhouse incident, but aside from that, like the actual protest rather than outright civil unrest... Uh, like that was in Kenosha, um, when it's just a protest, and people are organized and in a group, yeah, I mean, Kyle wasn't in a group, he got cut off, and, you know, then bad shit happened, so yeah, I mean, the, the main thing is to have more successes than failures, and not that, you know, I'd, I'd attribute Kyle Rittenhouse to our kind of successes or failures, he's his own fucking thing, but, um, but we have plenty of success stories now, I mean, even some local guys in Arizona, I won't name names, uh, until they want to be named, but, um, you know, protesting with the Black Lives Matter protests, and while, uh, they might have been smeared by the media, the people themselves know that they were there helping them, and they said as much. Ultimately, there's going to be more and more of, like, a, a fostering of this understanding that the media lies, we all know this. Most, I mean, Christ, no one trusts him anymore. So while a lot of people are like, oh, look at what the headlines say, this was like a failure for us. Culturally, more and more people are being desensitized to seeing people in kit carrying a, a rifle in public and not necessarily thinking of him as the bad guy. And it's, it's not going to be overnight. But the more people see that they're just regular people trying to do good um, and that it's effect an effective way to do it, to to have those peaceful protests, you know, peaceful, not harmless. That's, that's how it's done. It's gonna be slow, and we're gonna get called a lot of names, but it's, it's work we gotta put in, and I think it's worth it. It's, it's worth reviving this tactic, and, um, riding this wave of civil unrest, not for selfish reasons, but to honestly do good, and to de-escalate conflict before it even happens, to, to prevent conflict. I think, I think opinions will change in time, and like I said, the evidence is out there, um, we can make very good arguments about it being for the greater good and doing more, much more good than it does harm. Not a question, but people who choose to show their faces smile for the camera more, be friendly. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I personally think you should, uh, you know, cover your face and all that as much as you can. Um, but, you know, if you see someone pointing a camera at you, rather than doing the tough guy, you know, hold the rifle and pose for you guys, flash him a peace sign, fucking have some humor 
uh, if you have a sign or something, especially like a humorous sign, flash it, you know, um, give a little wave, uh, some guys in Virginia were dancing and shit, I mean, you're carrying a rifle and you're wearing body armor, like, trust me, you don't look like a wimp, you know, you look, you look capable, if your kid's put together and you dress professionally, you already look capable, so then you can be, you can have some fun with it, you know, you don't have to do this tough guy thing, because, trust me, the media's gonna do that for you, they're gonna be like, terrifying armed group is at the capital, so then, <laughs> have some fun with it, be, be human, connect with photographers and onlookers who might, no, most people at these things aren't going to be, at, at the rallies at least, aren't going to be neutral on guns, but at protests, you know, uh, some some get, some guys were handing out um, water to protesters, and they were, like, in kit and armed. Just simple shit like that. Like, it's, it's good to desensitize people to this kind of American rifleman culture that's not this fringe extremist, you know, group of evildoers, it's fucking real people who just want to protect themselves and their community. So yeah, smile more, guys. <laughs> or, you know, have, have fun, be friendly. Would you move to Texas if they secede? I was actually just talking about this with my lady. Um, I mean, I'd be very fucking, I'd be very fucking tempted, if I'm, if I'm gonna be real. I don't, care for Texas personally, um, I mean, it's cool to visit, but I've never been like, wow, I need to live here, um, I've seen a fair bit of it, but more like west, and then maybe I need to see more, um, I'm a southwest kind of dude, <laughs> I want to be desert rat, um, I mean, it'd be cool to live under a, a single state government instead of a federal government, not cool, you know what I mean, it, it would be, I, I imagine Texas would be pretty hands-off, um, the way the culture's going, it's that weird fucking blend of, like, liberalism, and, but we all have guns, and a lot of people think it's, like, this downfall, but, I don't know, I, I think it's kind of fucking interesting, the culture's gonna get really weird, and I've personally been having a lot of fun in, like, more liberal towns that have gun shops, you know, that's my favorite kind of place to hang out, because I, there's this culture like, oh yeah, I grew up shooting, but then there's like, you know, a, a good fucking place with a, a punk venue, and, you know, good, good pubs that are like, not these shitty little microbreweries, they actually have some character to them, you know, um, I don't know, so, yeah, I, I'd be, I'd be open to Texas, uh, if they secede, it'd be, you know, I, I wouldn't change a fucking thing I do, I'd still do all my, my side hustle shit, and do the agorist shit, but, and I'd still absolutely be against the Texan government, but <laughs> it would feel a little bit better kind of working against a, a single state government and working for less authoritarianism under that than against the federal government, because um, I, I, I imagine they're going to be pretty combative with the Biden administration, which is so entertaining. I love it when Texas, like, they don't do much right, in my opinion, they you know, I, I, I'm not a fan of their government, but it's very entertaining to me to see, um, Texas buttheads with the White House, just, they really fucking dig their heels in and have this, like, ego about it that's so entertaining, and it does make me sympathize with and like that kind of Texas attitude more than I used to. Yeah, fuck it, I'd give it a go, you know, I've, I'm a military brat, I've lived all over the place, fuck it. <laughs> 
Um, do you think armed protests would be effective in countries with stricter gun control than the U.S.? I think it would be a lot more fucking tense. Because um, here, the whole precedent is, like, there's already this established culture that regular people could have firearms and may demonstrate with them. You know, that's... Since the since the Black Panthers did it, it's now, again, part of the culture. And, you know, obviously the, the country was founded on civilians having uh, enough arms to tell the, the, um, tell the tyrants ruling over them to fuck off um, and back it up. So, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe somewhere like Catalonia, Spain, they could probably, they could definitely do it again. Um, I think there's enough of a culture there for it. But somewhere like Britain, like even if like literally every single gun owner handed his spare <laughs> long arm, his fucking three shot shotgun or his extra deer rifle to a friend, and they all went to a protest and I don't know, tried to do something. I, I think they would go fucking nuts. They would treat it like a... They would treat it like a coup. And they would probably fucking kill a lot of people. I think... I think a government with stricter gun control would fucking panic so quickly. I don't know. This, this isn't really me applying um, too much context. If you're a single armed nutcase in their eyes... So, again, goes back to that group safety... They're probably gonna fucking kill you, because they can. They can make you this lone wolf nutcase and tell you a story for you. Alright, let's do a couple more and then we'll wrap up. Viability of an armed populace against foreign invasion. Any country with any kind of, even moderate, armed civilian um, populace are gonna be able to resist uh, a foreign invasion. Even a a very technologically advanced one. And I'm not just citing Red Dawn. I mean, we all know, you guys know, the War on Terror, 20 years of a bunch of guys using really 70s Russian tech who are really cut off from much of the world and the luxuries and uh, progress it's made. Um, these people have fought the world superpower. I mean, we'll see how much longer that lasts, but the the current world superpower above all others most powerful military in the world um to a complete fucking standstill for 20 years um insurgencies are the most effective thing against an organized military force they can absolutely destroy um the ability for someone to maintain control to have their way to have any kind of stability um insurgencies are just constant looming threat any anyone could reignite it at any moment. Um, yeah, you you can't you can't just decimate the civilian populace because that's what supports your mission. And often, um, you know, doing that will only increase your resistance. So, uh, a foreign invasion, yeah, there, there's no way. I mean, if, if we're, you're probably talking like a anarchist society, right? So, say say the continental. U.S. is like, no more government, please. Um, and it's just a whole network of, you know, city-states and communities and towns and all sorts of just decentralized as fuck. No, no complete overarching government. Um, how is any foreign military going to know <laughs> what kind of hardware is looming in that country? 
there would be so much surplus shit and even new shit afterwards. I mean, you know, can buy from anywhere, can develop anything, can be prepared for whatever. A township could, you know, might have a an AA gun just just in case, you know, or uh, a whole battalion of guys who regularly train and organize and are kind of like a police slash militia force could have anti-vehicle weapons, anti-air weapons, I mean, possibilities are endless, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be fighting against a population with that kind of hardware, modern hardware, who is educated, modern technology, yeah, it's, it's just a no-win, because obviously the, the 70s version of that brought <laughs> us to a standstill, so what are you going to do against the 21st century version? Um... De-escalation tips when around large groups of armed people. It's kind of a hard one. Because... It depends on... Um, you, you can't really talk to these people, so it has to be more kind of... Um, physical communication, like body language. So... You know, you never want to be walking up to people. Even if you're trying to, like... Talk to them, to reason with them. Approaching... You know, if you're both armed, approaching them is going to freak them out. And especially if you're, you know, with all this mask bullshit. Or if you're at a protest wearing a mask for, to hide your identity, whatever it might be. You're not going to be communicating very clear. It's going to be all, you know, it's, it's fucking dangerous. So, um, best thing you can do is back away. You know, don't, don't put your back to someone who you think genuinely might be a, a threat to you, obviously. Um, I'd say hands off your weapon, unless they're kind of, hands off your weapon until it's kind of escalating there, they look like they might be ready to draw on you, um, but yeah, back away, uh, maybe hands off to the side a little bit, kind of, uh, as long as you can, like I said, if, if you need to put your hands on your weapon, you have to, but, um, as long as you can communicate to, to them and those around you that you're not trying to initiate, but if you can, you know, talk to them, only, only talk as long as they're being receptive, you know, like, chill out, you know, calm down, I'm, de-escalate, saying de-escalate, it sounds stupid, but it can, it can really communicate that you're, because you, you don't know if they're just trying to start shit, like an agitator, or if they're, um, if they're scared of you. And not that that makes anyone innocent. If they, if they, oh, I feared for my life. You're still a fucking idiot and a violent thug. But genuinely, some of these people are low IQ retards and you need to, uh, you, you need to be fucking gentle with them and you need to be like, you know, de-escalate. I'm, I am not trying to do anything. Yeah, just don't, don't argue, you know, be the most rational, calm, chill version of you possible. Because if you have an AR and you know, a full combat load on you, you look like you're ready for some action. And not everyone gets the message instantly. So you gotta be you gotta be a very chill in control individual. Alright, and the last question I'll do. Um should the type of protest slash expected response influence what gun or guns you take to one? I mean, yeah, like I said, you know, um you gotta treat it like you would if you were carrying something on your and your day-to-day, -day, it's got to have a purpose, you know, just chucking it on. I mean, you can for the meme, you know. There was some people carrying some crazy shit in Virginia 
like the uh, the Barrett 50 cal, but which is a nice statement, and it's good to have a few of those. But um, I think ultimately only do that if you go with a group of people, you know, doing the the professional kit thing. I think that's the best way to send a message to look like you know what you're doing rather than carrying a deer rifle or uh, I don't know something something odd that just looks silly. <laughs> um, you know, look look as capable and not imposing, but as professional as um, as law enforcement tries to make themselves look, because you're the you're trying to be the mirror image and the civilian equivalent at least. You know, be equal to them or or <laughs> more organized and more armed, which is uh, always my favorite. Carry something sensible, I think, an AR, AK, whatever, something standard like that is probably the best way to go, and um, you know maybe a sidearm or whatever, but otherwise. Keep it chill. <laughs> so I think that is everything for this week. So again, that is Saturday, February 20th, in front of the Arizona Capitol. It's going to be a pretty good group of us there. Yeah, should be a good laugh. Uh, 10 a.m. to 2, 2 p.m., show up, and we'll have a fucking laugh. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys, and I'll see you next time.